welcome to the Welding Business Owners Podcast, where our podcasts are late, but our bids are on time. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we've got episode number two with Dan Salanuk from Dan's Welding and Fab. He's a little new to the game, but he's out there getting it done and doing really good work. Check him out on Instagram at Dan's underscore welding underscore and underscore fab. And I hope you guys enjoy our chat. I, I ended up graduating a month early because I got a job offer from, lo and behold, a performance company, which ended up being my highest paying job to date at that point. And it was like the cost of living in Missouri was way cheaper and everything was like still, you know, like I, I was only working 15 minutes away from where the school was. And, you know, I actually ended up going and taking the position as like a fabricator and welder to do research and development for a company called fast diesel fuel systems. And they basically made fuel systems for all sorts of diesel trucks, pickup trucks, semi trucks, even some like smaller stuff. And it's basically a lift pump, but I wasn't even working on the fuel side. I was helping them come out with and like stuff that I had to sign NDAs for and you know it was just like a ton of like testing awesome awesome position learned a lot um you know my boss spencer he 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 put a lot of faith in me put a lot of trust in me he gave me a lot of liberty to like take on projects and 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 do them whatever way i wanted you know having worked at the at the company that i worked for where i first learned to weld nameless performance um, you know, I, I was doing production work and it was, you know, take these pieces that are all cut and prep, you know, throw them in the jig, tack them up, set them on a rack. Somebody else comes, picks them up, welds it out, or you switch spots and now you're picking parts that have been tacked up and you're welding them out. And, you know, you, you, we were building like hundreds of exhaust parts at a, you know, at a time, you know, like, oh, we got a hundred axle backs to make or a hundred muffler deletes or a hundred this or 200 of these. And it was like extremely monotonous. I mean, it was just pick up the parts weld them set them down pick up the part you know it was just like you weren't really thinking and and that's why they could get away with paying what they were paying because realistically you know there wasn't a whole lot going on there and and you know looking at it from a business standpoint absolutely justified it completely makes sense like it it gave me great insight as to like what where you can pay what you can pay for certain work and certain skill you know and and it makes sense you know uh i was listening to one of the podcasts that you had and you know, you were basically saying that, hey, you know, if I don't remember if it was you or if it was Bruce uh, from Go Wild Fab. So I don't remember if it was you or him, but basically it was like one of you guys was saying that, you know, if you have like a 3D printer at home and you're learning how to model and this and that, like seeing that ambition and that drive, that passion, like that's something I want to, you know, invest in because that's beneficial for me. You're adding value. And it's like, that's not something that they were really made available to an extent, among other things that came up and ended up leaving. But regardless, you know, it was a learning experiences for sure. I'm trying to remember where I left off. <laughs> Rambling. <laughs> so you were at the performance place yeah. and then. Right. Out. Yeah. So where did you go after the, the well-paid performance place? So I worked there for a little over a year doing research and development for them and working on their, their motorsports division, helping build like a 3000 horsepower diesel That's drag truck. Nice. So like super crazy. If you check out fast motorsports, F A S S motorsports, you'll see like 
the truck I did a lot of work on, built roll cages at the company over there. I learned how to program a CNC plasma and use 2D CAD. And then I actually ended up learning how to start. I started to learn how to use Fusion 360 to uh, model up sheet metal. All I mean, all sorts of stuff. Tons of projects I took on and got the chance to learn that I otherwise would not have, you know, it. very few people would have given me the liberty and freedom to, to do what I did. But it was just, a, again, a huge blessing, you know, the, the way it all it all came about. And I ended up leaving there because I wanted to like I felt like I almost was like like I came so close to, to doing what I wanted to do as far as pipe welding and never ended up doing it. And like, I was just like, man, I would hate to always think back. What if, you know, and it was like eating me alive for like, I remember months. Like I just kept thinking, I was like, Daniel, like, like, not like you failed, but like you came so close. Yeah. You know, it's like, I came so close and I, I, I didn't quite get there. And I'm like, I got to do it. So I ended up putting my two weeks in and I left there. And, and again, I left there on good terms and I'm still on good terms with, with my old boss, Spencer. And, you know, he, he was looking for ways to keep me there. And, you know, I, that was like huge to me. And I've actually gone back and done work for him and, and, you know, I still chat with him and whatnot, but I ended up leaving there and taking a job. I was working through a staffing agency. I got a job as a, I was supposed to be a pipe welder through a staffing agency to work for a local contractor pipe welding. And he was asking me like, oh, you know, about experience and things like that. And he was basically asking me, well, have you ever done any pipe fitting? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've had experience pipe fitting, you know, doing some plumbing stuff, blah, blah, this and that. I end up finding out when I show up for this job, he's like, he's all asking me, he's like, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I, I was told to come here for a pipe welding job. And he was like, no, no, no. We told them we needed three fitters. I was like, listen, I've, I've fit before and I can pull measurements and figure out, you know, some stuff, but I am by no means a pipe fitter. Like that is not my profession. And he's like, oh, great. And he's like, and I'm over here thinking like, I'm sweating bullets, like thinking, oh, great. He's going to kick me off this job. And I'm, I'm stoked to be making, you know, 30 and a hundred, like, uh, you know, just hearing like the numbers, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be awesome, and I'm gonna be back in the construction game, and blah blah blah. And he's like, yeah, we were supposed to get three fitters. He's like, can you fit? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can figure it out. He's like, you ever done like plumbing? I'm like, yeah, of course I have, and I, it worked out perfect because the job I got put on, uh, we were actually taking down like almost a mile's worth of uh, six inch PVC for uh, some some compressors. They had these cooling lines. Uh, they, they ran water from like, they were like six massive air compressors at a chemical plant. And the whole plant was without air because they had some like storm roll through and the power got shut off. And when everything came back on, the air compressors kicked back on, but the, the cooling towers and like the pumping, the pumps and everything didn't turn back on. So they're just uh, running, uh, and running and running and running and running and running and there's, you know, this water just keeps heating up and keeps heating up. And sure enough, these uh, PVC pipes swell up and explode. And the only reason they found out that, you know, the the pipes exploded was that the plant was without air. They're like, what's going on? Like, we don't have air. And, you know, it was a huge manufacturing facility that made like Lysol and finished tabs, like for your dishwasher and all sorts of stuff like that. And okay. they're like, all the pneumatic stuff on the equipment wasn't working. So they, uh, it worked out great. Cause I was over there and, and again, you know, opportunity to 
dial in and learn more pipe fitting and takeoffs and, you know, calculating socket depths on different fittings and, you know, offsets and rolling offsets and, and just working with like all these different people who had tons of experience. Granted, they were grumpy old men a lot of times, but tons of experience. And if you were willing to learn, you could, you could really pull some, some information out of them. But again, same thing happened, you know, where I was, uh, you know, I had people asking me to do a ton of stuff, which I was totally fine with. I had no problem. I was, you know, doing, you know, working by myself. I actually had another guy working with me and it was funny because he was getting paid the same exact thing I was through that staffing agency and he was pretty much my apprentice and I was basically like teaching him stuff and it was you know super cool to be able to you know show him hey this is how you do this hey check this out you know if you ever have to do this you know just taking somebody under my wing and you know teaching them the things that I knew and one day I get a phone call from my old instructor and he's like hey Dan uh would you be uh would you be interested in teaching and I'm like like teaching a class he's like yeah we have a class booked and my he was like my old instructor he's like my class is fully booked and we're like this whole summer we're going to be absolutely slammed like we have students and we we need a teacher and he reached out to me in like may and i'm thinking to myself i'm like huh it hasn't even been two years (laughs) and they want me to come back and teach (laughs) and uh granted it was it, it was just a fab class so it was something I absolutely had under my belt. It wasn't like I was teaching them how to pipe weld because, like, I did minimal pipe welding out in the field and and all that. But, like, as far as fabrication went, like, it was teaching them, you know, basic stick welding certification and then a flux core structural certification and then some MIG, just a visual certification, and then some TIG. So it, really it was all within my, my scope of – skills and abilities and and granted you know it's still it's still very you know nerve-wracking to be like okay like i have to take somebody who knows potentially nothing about welding and i have to take them from there to basically turnkey ready for a manufacturing fabrication job it wasn't like a performance fabrication job but just like you know just that the kind of work we have around us in the general area because most of these people don't want to travel is the uh, like manufacturing fabrication. So, you know, uh, building frames for anything, I just general fabrication, you know, kind of the stuff you guys do a lot of as well, handrails and yeah, staircases, absolutely. whatever, you know? And, you know, I, I was like, oh man, I'm tasked with the responsibility of like taking somebody and, and then bringing them up. And I'm like, I mean, that sounds exciting. And I've always wanted to try it personally. I always That's thought, you know, I was going to work, work and work and work and yeah. Oh, huge, huge. You know, that's uh, super nerve wracking. But So how long was the course for you to bring them from zero to turnkey? So I had 12 weeks, 12 weeks with students. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 12 weeks. And it was, I mean, it was, it was challenging without a doubt. I mean, I, I had to teach them all sorts of safety stuff, but what's nice is that the way the school is structured is, it's 40 hours a week, five days, you know, eight hours a day, you know, five days a week. You know, we were working it just like a job. You'd be in there at six, you're out at two thirty. you know, it was, it was standard as to what you would see in the field, no matter what kind of job you're going to take. It was relatively standardized. And that's what was really cool is it prepared students who, you know, knew, didn't know their left from their right in terms of welding to, you know, being actual 
employable welders. And, and that's what was really cool is, and, and something that I always admired about the school and, and I loved about it is, is how realistic everything was, especially for somebody like myself who had been out in the industry, who had been out in the, you know, in the construction world and seen what it was like and then came to school. You know, I had a really good idea of what it was like. And, you know, I would tell a lot of my classmates and, and my students all the time, like, you're being treated the way you are and expected to do the things you're expected to do because that's really what's out there. And yeah. it was just awesome because the mindset at AWA is very much so preparing the students to encounter what they're actually going to encounter. Like, it's not like we're going to teach you how to pass a test. And, you know, it's very different from like, if you were to go to like college for welding or whatever, you know, you're not getting an associates because nobody never on any application or, 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 you know, job posting or listing. Have I ever seen somebody say, we need somebody with an associates or a bachelor's in welding. It's like that kind of stuff doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I value real world training way more than I value any credentials. So the pro- like part of our problem is we have we have a great welding school by us, the WTTI, and they put out welders, and we get guys out of there coming to you know interviewing and wanting to work for mm-hmm. us. And we're like, how much ex- real world experience do you have? Well, little to none. All right, let's go do a fab test. So our fab test is you take two inch square tube and you make a square box with mitered corners. And boy, they are just terrible at it. Um, <laughs> like just it's a super simple test. But you know, mm-hmm. you don't if you haven't been doing that. You like credit their welds probably look beautiful, and a lot of them like the welds do look beautiful. But you're like 12 and a half inches big. And I'm like, dude, I, 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 I can't do anything. I told you to make it 12 inches and it's not square. I don't care how beautiful your welds are. Like, so it, it's good that there's other places out there that are really emphasizing on the fabrication side. Cause I feel like that's like, that's the disconnect between welding schools and like the real world experience is like that fabrication side of it, you know? Yeah, no, it's uh, it it's definitely tricky, and I tell you what, I actually had the opportunity while I was there. Since my class lot size was much smaller, I was supposed to have like twelve students, and a ton of people dropped last minute, and I ended up having only five. And since I had a smaller class size as opposed to the other instructors, we actually ended up doing some in-house qualification or weld test proctoring. For a local company so they would have a lot of times staffing agencies sending them potential welders and there's a a larger facility there that makes nothing but like steel trusses in our like area in like the local missouri area over here where you basically don't need to know anything about welding you're just pulling a mig gun trigger and basically the machine is set up for you everything is, you're just picking up the gun and you just need to be able to make that one weld and I mean, imagine steel trusses that you see inside of like a auto zone or something, you know, you know, just angle I iron and that's pressed. And... Where I see them. <laughs> yeah, it's probably because they're coming from this one company. They, they're they like a Fortune 500 company. They, they ship worldwide and all sorts of stuff. So they're huge and they, they push tons of production and tons of like tons of steel. Like I mean, like the weight of steel, like they're pushing tons. 
<laughs> but you know they, they don't expect a ton of like quality like you'll see porosity in their stuff like it, it doesn't matter they're just pushing it out and the people that are there are very like they, they really don't know a whole lot about welding and like we were giving basic welder examination test for this other company that built um transformers and inside of a transformer like those massive you know the massive green transformers you see outside of like a building or something so those are i'm not sure if you're familiar or not but they're full of mineral spirits because mineral spirits are are aren't conductive and they isolate the frame of the like the steel frame of the transformer from all the components and everything on the inside i don't know all the specifics of it but basically they have about five psi of pressure inside of there not a ton and they're full of oil so like MIG welds that are spray need to be like everything needs to be penetrated and they have a hard time it's actually pulse spray that they're using over there and we had the same exact machines that they have over there and basically what we were doing was we were setting we were like checking to see that this this potential candidate could actually be a good fit for this company and it was i mean super basic and like just seeing some of the stuff that was turned out by a local uh technical school that was in the area and then like what our students what my students in particular were capable of it was like wow this is this is mm, (laughs) this is night and day for sure i mean we had guys come in there absolutely unprepared i mean i'm not kidding I, i was giving well tests to guys who had they showed up in, in like sneakers and a t-shirt and some jeans. No gloves, no welding hood, no steel toe. I mean, not even a steel toe boot part because like we didn't require that. But no leather boots. No, I mean, absolutely unprepared. And they're like, "Oh, I was just told to show up over here." And I'm like, "Man, you came to a, a weld test <laughs> and you didn't think to bring anything with you." And I mean, I I was giving like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was honestly baffled. I was like, did he leave his stuff at the door? And like one of the other instructors would be like, no, like he didn't bring anything. And I'm like, oh my God, how do you just show up? And then it's like, they start giving excuses like, like their welds end up turning out piss poor. And they're, oh, well, you know, it was, uh, it, I'm not used to this, this hood. And like, we gave him a still shade passive lens hood. And it's like, Dude, like you got to work with what you got. Like beggars can't be choosers. We had a guy. Just... Uh, he, he came in and he did a weld test and he bombed it. And he's like, "Well, I'm not used to welding on Lincoln's. I always use Miller's." Like, all right, <laughs> I don't think a Miller would fix that well, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's like that's some of the stuff that like you see out there. And you meet people like that, and it honestly amazes me. Like, I've always been the guy to take accountability for whatever. If I screwed up big, I took accountability for it, even if it meant the potential of me getting fired because of it. And and trust me, when I was working for that plumbing company, I had some times when, man, I, I if I was my boss, I would have fired me. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how these guys did not fire me for this, but I was like, just the grace of God. Like, I don't know what else to say there. Like, it, it just... And and I've yeah. always I've never hid from anything. You know, it's like if I made a mistake, like I'm I'm upfront about it. Like I'm honest. Like that's that's the right thing to do. That's that's what integrity is. And you know, I, I believe that's going to take me a long ways. You know, and and it has it has. Like I've, but like some of these people, they're just 
quick to point blame. Oh, you know, I don't have this or, you know, I'm, they used to just give us welding hoods over here. And I'm like, dude, I don't care what they gave you. Like you're, you're applying for a welding job. Like you need to have your own stuff. Yeah. Wow. Very few people, but yeah, just what, what AWA is doing definitely surpasses a lot of the welding schools out there. I mean, I, and I'm not just saying that cause I work there. I'm not just saying that cause I went there, but genuinely like the, the, the product and the people that they put out, like, the instructors there, they care about the students. Like they want to see them succeed. They push them. You know, they're they're not just in it for the money. Like the, the people that are there, they're there because they they want to see the next generation of of welders actually doing something and, and actually filling the, the voids inside of the workforce. And it's awesome. And and it was honestly a super cool part, you know, to a super cool position to be a part of. And, you know, I'm, I, I can only imagine the impact I've had on certain people's lives. And I know that I won't necessarily see that until, you know, that, that's one of those things where like, you don't see the fruit of your labor until, you know, sometimes years, but you know, I, I just trust that, you know, I, I did my best to pass my skills along and, you know, just hopefully they're, they're doing their part, doing their best. I mean, I, yeah, I, I keep up with, with a few of them, but I tell you what, man, Teaching will absolutely test your patience. And I'm sure you know that from being like, uh, you know, a, a business owner with employees, I have to add, because technically I'm a business owner, but I don't have any employees. I don't have anybody to worry about except for myself. And I'm the only one I can point blame at. But working with like one, one of my students, like this guy was as green as it gets. And I mean, green, like didn't know how to use a grinder, didn't know how to I mean, like you name, couldn't for like weeks, still wasn't fully comprehending how to use just your basic like vice grip, like locking C clamp. Like, I mean, like <laughs> the most basic things, like I was walking through with him, I would tell him, Hey, you know, you got to prep this material, grind off the mill scale and bring it back. Like he would go and like grind a couple times and like he he didn't see that there wasn't any raw metal showing and he'd come back. And I'm like, dude, you can't weld on that. Like you're TIG welding. <laughs> you you need shiny, bright metal. You cannot TIG weld over mill scale. And he, oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, I, I even asked him, I'm like, scale is. you know, the thing is like, he had a terrible time paying attention. And I mean, terrible. Like we would do minimal time in the classroom because I wanted them specifically because we had, 12 weeks, you know, 12 weeks to take them from, you know, very minimal exposure to, to being out there and, and, and getting all their certifications and doing it, you know, so I was, I was trying to not spend too much time in there. But at the same time, I saw the value in going over the why and the how things worked. So, you know, when it came down to it, you know, I was explaining what the AC balance was, how it affects your, your arc, um, you know, and, in, in, in your, uh, you know, your tungsten. And the frequency and, and how you can you can tighten up or widen your arc on AC TIG or, you know, uh, talking about inductance, talking about wire feed speed and, and, and voltage on MIG and, and all these different things. And, and because the way I always learned was I, I needed to know why does this do this? Because when I know what this does, I can I can adjust and I can I can make changes and, 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 and work with that. But. You know, I, I try to spend as little time in there as possible. But even in there, I mean, 
there were there were times he'd be falling asleep in class. I mean, we almost had to kick him out because of his attendance because we're, we're very strict about that at the school. And, you know, that that was like, I mean, it, it just, I didn't preface myself uh, when we first began the interview or, or the, the, the conversation here, but I, I can, I can talk a while about some stuff, but. Go ahead. Keep going and talking, man. It, it's uh like, the, the, like the podcast is about you guys, not me. Sure. Sure. It's the school and teaching was an awesome experience. I think for myself at the time, it was just very difficult. Like I, you know, I saw my class through, I, I let them graduate. And then I ended up actually moving into becoming basically another Sean, uh, another Dabs. Uh, so at the school, his job is to be the student outreach coordinator. And he also does a lot of the video and media and stuff over there uh, just because he's, you know, he's, he's good at it and he's got his twist on things. And I was basically moving into being a second one of him. So he was going to cover a territory. I was going to cover another territory, essentially traveling uh, to high schools and uh, FFA uh, and ag programs and all sorts of different like high schools and, and vocational schools and, and talking to them about post-secondary training and taking their welding to, you know, essentially the, the next level, the, the career. Uh, not just a course to, you know, fart around and, and waste a, you know, waste a, a period um, of their day. And uh, I, I, you know, kind of started moving into that position and getting a feel for what it was like. And you basically end up building relationships with a lot of, a lot of these instructors. And that's, you're kind of like their, their stream that they end up sending their students on uh, because you build trust with them. And that's just kind of what's expected out of it. And it, it was like a, it basically once you start, it, it's kind of like, like you can't really just, you know, do it for a year and stop because you're, you're seeing these instructors year in and year out. And, and you know, they're there year in and year out teaching these students and they want to send basically them to a school that they know they can trust uh, that's going to put out a quality product, a quality employee. And, you know, especially when you're the face of the school, uh, you can't just like up and leave whenever you feel like it. And I, and I kind of like seeing that I was like, Oh man, like that. And just being young, it like, it had nothing to do with the school. Um, you know, I, great terms with, you know, again, I'm on great terms with everybody there. Like I've never burned a bridge leaving anywhere. I think it's stupid. Um, you know, I've always been told never burn a bridge, give your two weeks, give your notice, you know, like be courteous in that, in that fashion. And I always have tried to be only time actually I dragged up on a job, like gave them a two day notice. Like I'm leaving today was from that pipe welding job, uh, because I was a temp and, um, I wanted to take like, a, like two weeks off to go to my buddy's wedding and then my little sister's engagement. And I had this other job lined up and I'm like, you know what? I've never done it before. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I don't recommend doing it, but it was one of those things where I was like, you just threw it. Yeah. The timing, you do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, do I ask for time off just to come back and then tell them I'm leaving or now nah, I'm just telling them, Hey, I packed up my tools and I said, Hey, I'm out of here. And they're like, Oh, you're taking off. You're not coming back. Are you? Huh? And I was like, Nope. And they're like, okay, well, we'll see ya. Kept on talking with the foreman on the way out to my truck. And he's like, all right, man, well, it was good work with you. We'll see ya. <laughs> and then the, one of the other guys was like, man, like that sucks. I can't believe Daniel left. Like, uh. 
but yeah, no, it was a, that's the only time I did it. But like at the school, you know, I saw that and it, you know, being younger, being restless is part of it, but also having a desire. Like I've always wanted to run my own truck. I've always wanted to do that, to run my own business. And honestly, I just, I found a great opportunity, Facebook marketplace. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not at the point of saying I've got a problem yet, but I might, I'm always on there looking for deals. And sure enough, I found a deal just out of the blue of a, actually they're very similar to two of your guys's uh, welding trucks. The, uh, the red and the blue one, like you guys have the, the OBS Fords. I've got myself a, uh, you got the white one. OBS. Yeah, I got the white one, but I found a killer deal on a, on a, on a previous like service truck. Like it was like a semi service truck. They were doing like mobile mechanic, you know, semi-service stuff out of it and it was kind of like something they wanted to try they were like an outfitter so they were basically like building custom like beds and you know all sorts of stuff like that for like construction companies and roofing companies like they put conveyors on like medium duty pickup trucks and like light duty semi trucks and that kind of stuff and they were just like yeah this is not an avenue we want to go down this truck's been sitting for a while you know they had it listed for like $8,000 and I ended up picking it up for 5,500 bucks with a Lincoln Ranger eight with like, I want to say it had like 500 hours on it or something stupid low came with a gas powered air compressor, had a ton of like drawers inside of some of the cabinets, like toolbox drawers, just tons of stuff that was like super like beneficial, like tons of value. Uh, that I was like, yeah, I can't pass up, pass this thing up on it. I ended up getting it for steal of a deal, 5,500 bucks. And, and they were like, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. No. And with the seven, three and everything, you know, so I I don't want to be in it forever just because it's still a seven, three and it's still an old pickup and it still has its issues and its quirks. And you know, it's, it's not a forever truck, but it was, it was a good enough deal to where I was like, yeah, I can't pass this up. And, you know, I ended up doing some some trading with some tools that came on it for other things. I ended up putting my Ranger 225 on there and investing more money in tooling. Cause I was kind of at the point where I was like, I don't know why I keep buying all these tools. Like I'm not running a business. So there's no point for me to have them. You know, it's either I sell them or I just go all out. And I was kind of at the point where, you know, I was like, you know what? I do want to start my own business. I found a good deal on a truck and I was like, screw it. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to, I'm going to just dive headfirst into this. And that was to go back to your original question of kind of when I broke off and started doing my own thing. That was October, October, 2022. So I had my own LLC for a while, um, but I never did anything with it. I just kind of opened it just to have it just in case I did a side job or something. And it was like more of like a legit place and they, they needed to, you know, shoot me a 1099 or whatever else, you know, I wanted to be, be legit in that aspect but as far as being like an insured business and you know having everything all my ducks in a row like that was not until you know i kind of kind of started in, in october so that's what i've been up to equipment repair is is a good one just because it's um you know you're not you don't have to fabricate it's not so much bidding you know it's all service work it's all hourly work I'm trying to stick to mobile because it's much less overhead. I was actually at Fabtech in November and I was talking with Sam Weld, Sam Hackman. And yeah. I ended up meeting up with him at the, uh, that blue demon um, get together at the, 
was the Hard Rock Cafe. Hard Rock Cafe. And I, yeah. I chatted him for a while. And yeah, just chatted him for a while. And he's like, dude, if I could do it over again, he's like, I, I would go and stick to only mobile. Like, but I've got, I've got my shop. I've got all this equipment now. And, you know, it just, it just makes sense for me to just keep doing what I'm doing. But if I was in your position, I, I would stick to strictly mobile. And, and that's kind of what I've always wanted was just to, to just do mobile welding, you know, and mobile service work, what be a welding contractor, basically like that kind of work, but like to fill the gaps, you know, I'll take on like small fabrication projects or smaller scale stuff. I built some like a designed and built some aluminum, like drain pans for some big 275 gallon IBC totes for a company that's like contracted to like dispose of detergent super random really weird but they were looking for a product and you know i i came to them and i i 3d modeled it and i sent it to them and they're like dude this looks awesome let's do it i honestly think my 3d model is what won it over and i you know i got the job and i built all these like train pans and they're like we're gonna need some more pretty soon and i'm like i don't really want to build them and i ended up just I'm going to be outsourcing them to a local fab shop that actually one of my students works at a high quality fab shop in the area that does like this kind of work. And they've got like an in-house laser and CNC press break and all sorts of stuff. And I'm just going to outsource it through them. And, you know, the money still makes sense. So I'll be, I'll be doing that. But, you know, I'm trying to focus on like equipment repair, like structural work, just being like a welding contractor, just kind of, Hey, we need somebody to you know weld this up. I've actually got a job next week lined up, small residential structural job, where basically they're they got some I beams coming in. They're they're tearing out a wall and they need to put some I beams up. And I'll be doing a couple like connections between like some some I beams over there, and then welding some posts to the bottom of them. Nothing super crazy. Everything's already like coped and ready to go from this like distributor or something and this contractor reached out to me and was just like hey you know I, I need some need some work but as far as like I'm not like super set on like the work I'm chasing at the moment it's kind of whatever comes in but you know I'm like especially listening to other people like uh David from dynamic industries yeah dynamic industries yeah who's yeah. saying the same stuff you know and it's just like hearing all these different people saying this stuff like I'm at a moment where like I'm listening to your podcast and I'm like asking other people like, Hey, like, like where would you take my business if, if you could do it all over again? And like hearing like their input, I'm just like, okay, you know, I want to stick to primarily mobile. It's much less overhead and it's much less headache as far as like tooling is concerned and whatnot. So for me, I'm just, you know, trying to, to stick to mobile, but as far as like the exact niche market, I want to find myself in, like I haven't quite decided yet. And I think it's just going to be one of those things that I end up finding myself doing, but yeah, like, I don't know. I like, I, again, that's a thing that I'm always open to recommendations. Like, you know, somebody pointing me in the right direction as far as like, Hey, you know, try this or talk to these people or go do that. You know, and I'm as far as like welding is concerned, like I have most, most of the, the process is pretty well, pretty well down. There's not really much I'm like scared of, but like a, a lot of it's like, if figuring out who do I talk to, how do I advertise myself? How, who, how do I market myself? You know? And it's like, that's a lot of the stuff that I don't really find anywhere. And everybody's like, yeah. Oh, just word of mouth. You know, it takes a little time. And I'm like, okay, but word of mouth to who, <laughs> who am I telling? You know? 
it's funny because like that's the exact reason why I bought like the truck I'm driving back to Pennsylvania right now is to do more mobile work. So right now um, mm-hmm. we have that we have that old F four fifty. It runs good. I can't say mm-hmm. it runs great because it literally died today as I'm picking up this new truck and when I'm in Oklahoma, they're like, "Yeah, shut off." I'm like, "Ah." But it's like an old truck and it's easy to fix. So like it's not a big deal. You know, it, it would make a good backup truck because it is older. Right. It's nice looking. It's only, it's only got it's just just over 100, maybe like 106,000 miles. You know, there's so much mobile work out there and it takes a certain type of guy to do that. And if I'm going to chase that work, I have to first buy the truck. So we spend a lot of right. money mobile work away so like what we are primarily doing right now is like our our business model right currently right now is we try to take on larger jobs and then we just work them to to completion so that doesn't leave a lot of room Mm -hmm. for our team to like go out and do smaller jobs Mm -hmm. as they come up like hey you know my my backhoe broke or the excavator boom cracked and i need it welded Sorry, man, we're on this job for the next like two, three, four, five weeks. And I can get to you after that, but I know you have to be up and running. So when people call us for that kind of stuff, we give that away to other welding and fab shops that we're friendly with. So we just feed work to Mm -hmm. other people right now because that's just, it's good customer service. You know what I mean? So part of our plan this year, because we're talking about it's February now, is we're, we bought a truck with a crane because obviously if you work by that's a truck, huge you, like you really need a crane like everything's yeah. so harder without that and we're now now that we have the truck we're looking to put a guy in the truck to go do mobile service work all the time and mm-hmm. it's funny because we're we're almost on similar paths just at different times because it's like i didn't want to interject with you but like i actually went to school to work on heavy equipment back in the day like you did. And then I realized, oh my goodness. I realized real quick, I did not want to be like 50 years old, crawling under a dozer, dropping belly pants to do oil changes. Like that's not, yep. no, I, I'm, I am really okay on that. So, yeah. that, so I, I, I kind of fell back on a welding with that. So, but yeah, like as far as like marketing the mobile work, I'm not really, an expert on like how to market that kind of stuff. All I can do is speak with it of the experience that I've done before. Like we've had a whole lot of success with Google ads. And I mean, mm-hmm. even back in the day when, when it went Craigslist was big, that's how, like when I first started out, all my advertising was on Craigslist and that was back before Facebook marketplace. So I put the ads out there. I, I had a network of, just with the jobs that I worked before, I had a network of people who I had already worked with. And luckily, I actually had, with the welding jobs I had before, he, uh, the different companies, they were so busy that they would just say yes to all the work and then they wouldn't get it done. So they would make the customers upset because, hey, this guy's had my, you know, my telehandler for, six months now and I haven't, he hasn't done anything with it or like it's been two months and he hasn't done anything with fixing this on, on this. And I was 
his right hand man for like a long time. So it was just, you know, they heard I was going out on my own. They weren't taking the, uh, their stuff to him anyway. So I kind of just swept up all the customers that he made mad. And that kept me busy for a little while. And I just put advertisements out there. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. Check back next week for episode number three with Dan Salanuk from Dan's Welding and Fab. And if you like this episode, please share it. The only way that we grow this podcast is through you guys. And if you guys liked it, you guys share it with your friends. Tell somebody, share on social media, tag us in it. If you want to go on your podcast player, leave us a five-star review. That really helps other people see us too. And I really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the Fabricator Olympic at FabricatorOlympics.com. Next week, I'm going to bring you more information about how we're going to lay out the competition, how things are going to go, the prizes, who's coming, and everything like that. So until next time, get out there, get it done, and get it invoiced.